Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellbeing podcast. My name's Maria Brosnan. I'm the founder of Pursuit and your host for the show. This podcast is dedicated to providing well-being information, inspiration, and support for teachers, leaders, and school staff around the world. My guest today is Patrick Otley O'Connor. Patrick is the head teacher at West Horton High School in Bolton. He's been a teacher for over 34 years, including 27 years as a senior leader and 17 years as a head principal or executive principal in secondary, primary, and special schools. Patrick coaches many aspiring, new, and experienced head teachers and CEOs, particularly those facing significant challenges, both in the UK and internationally. He leads and facilitates a variety of leadership programs, ranging from middle to executive leadership courses. He is a Department for Education coach for Women Leading in Education Initiative. Patrick is also a trustee of the Wardle Trust and founding director of Collaborative Leadership Limited. He's married to Mel with five sons and living the teacher five-a-day dream as a well-being supermodel. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, big introduction there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's an impressive career, and a, a lot of what of, of what you've done really focuses around leadership, and that's what I'd like to focus our conversation around today. Um, you're welcome to jump in wherever you like, but we've got a number of questions from Twitter, which I'll get to. But but talk me through a, a day in your life, even. What's it like as a leader at, in these current times? Um, oh, I, I don't know how many heads will admit to this, but actually, I'm 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 quite I'm I'm, I'm quite happy being a head teacher during the pandemic. Um, I, I uh, I've worked in. A f- a series of challenging circumstances uh, in, in different schools and different contexts. The pandemic is a new dimension to that. It's just another barrier that gets presented to us. And, and it's, uh, I feel I've, I've, I've got some skills that can help us deal and, um, and, and, and make a difference as we should be doing for the children and for the staff that are in our, in our care within schools. So I'm, I'm enjoying, as you said, living, living the dream at the moment, enjoying my time, only a few years to retirement. And I suppose at this age, stage of my career, um uh, enjoying enjoying my craft as much as if not more so than than ever before really mm. and why why would you say other heads might not feel the same way or admit to that um well it's, it's not about I me mean, it's tough headship is tough yeah. i'm not saying i don't find it tough i just enjoy that challenge um but when when you're thinking of schools that are facing let's just go back 10 months for example beginning of the year people have budget restraints there was a, a teacher recruitment and leadership recruitment issue crisis if you like we've got some fairly quick turnovers of change changes rapid within education anyway uh, so there's a lot of things there that that add to the bubble we uh, we we have a um, in in some of our schools sadly we have a we've created seem to create a culture of uh, toxicity around accountability accountability is good but actually it can become toxic in in uh, in, in some organizations in some areas and i'm not picking out their multi-academy trusts or local authorities or anything i think in, within education within leadership within schools or the people that lead the schools those things can occur and i, and I, I support sort of many head teachers and and senior staff and in fact other staff as well at the moment that find themselves in a situation where they're not happy doing the role they're doing and, and for, for many heads they're either jumping falling or being pushed off a cliff and that's how it feels so mm. I know there are heads out there aren't there are many other heads who I'm sure are 
enjoying and, and, and living the dream as I am. Uh, but I do know there are people out there who, who struggle at the moment. Yeah. Well, can I pick up something that you just mentioned about the toxicity around accountability? What What do you mean by that? Okay. The, there's a, a really good mantra of an organisation I, I like, actually, through, through the Ambitions Institute, who used to be Ambition School Leadership, and a programme there called the Future Leaders Programme. And there was a, a mantra from them around, we must have high expectations with no excuses and no exceptions. It's a great mantra to have. And I take them away from the organisation now and other people that may use that as a philosophy, as a way to go forward. We have high expectations for of everybody in our community, of the staff and of the students, to get the highest possible grades. And no exception to that. No excuses made. We should do that. Now, for some people, that's become a fairly macho approach to leadership in terms of a big stick to beat. We can't, we can't, we can't. And, and for me, my, my leadership style, I, I use what I'll call an antidote to that approach. And that is, that works really well if at the same time as we have the high, ex, uh, high expectations, no excuses, no exceptions approach to standards, that we're also exactly the same to the mental health and well-being of staff and students. So high expectations that we all look after ourselves, we all look after each other, so we can all make a big difference to the children together. No exceptions to that, that people can't opt out of looking after their mental health and well-being as a member of staff, and that we, we support and ensure, you know, we, we, we encourage, we engage, we empower people to be able to own their own mental health and well-being as well. And, and, and actually, there's no excuses made that we haven't got the time, or we haven't got those things. We need to look at our structures and systems within schools to ensure our workforce is the best possible shape to be able to make a difference. So I, I suppose it's a, as long as we've got the antidote, then we get rid of the toxicity. It's not as simple as that, but really, for me, that's what, what it tends to come down to. And what kind of strategies do you use then or how do you actually do that in your school? And I know that you've been a, a CEO of a, of a multi-academy trust so across a number of schools. So do you have an overarching theme or an overarching strategy that, that helps you do that? Yeah, I've not being a CEO, I've been an executive leader in those trusts to be able okay. to do it. So working at, at that senior level, but not, not, in the, not in the top job. That's not a job I've wanted to, to play with. Okay. The, well, the... I did eight years, nine years, sorry, nine nine years in my own schools as substantive head teacher. But then for the past eight years or so, I've gone into schools that have been in, or group schools that have been challenging circumstances or, or facing leadership instability or, or or it could be they're in special measures, etc. And that's either been in an A school like I'm in West Horton at the moment where a head teacher went and we needed a new head teacher to take over as an interim until we can appoint a new head and that's part of that role or, or a school as I've been, I've been to, I've worked previously in schools where I took on three schools that were in special measures, appointed new heads and lifted and, and, and moved forwards. But the, 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 the fundamental thing in those at the start is how we um, get everybody really to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Simon Sinek talks about the why, the how, how and the what, and I use those quite strongly. So today's day 26 in my new role at West Horton and all the staff, on day one, when I met them all for the first time in, in little bubbles as we went around to go and do it, we all pointed quite literally and physically in the same direction. So we knew our values-based vision of the school. We then unpicked that so we know what it meant to us individually, but also to us collectively. And we all decided that was what we were doing. So we all pointed in the right direction. And for me then to keep people pointing in that direction mm. for everything we do to be able to link it into our values-based vision as we go forwards and to encourage colleagues to do the same. So that's been the starting point of doing that. And then actually how we operate and how we bring that to life 
and the way that we work. So the use of uh, a talent management process that we put in place around our appraisal, appraisal has been flipped from being very much a, a data-driven target to a developmental focus underpinned by the, the aspirations and the standards that we want and the targets for people there, but around development and to grow the talent within the organisation through an, an emerging culture of coaching to work alongside colleagues. So people get, rather than being pushed and pulled, get sucked along in the process in how we're doing things to deliver on the why. And actually what we do then will fall out and we'll agree together as we go forwards. For me, that's a, a great way to start to build culture and create a culture of mental health and well-being or create a culture of uh, development through coaching or whatever we're trying to do it, it's the whole thing here around leadership is around creating something that's sustainable uh, of a culture and not just quick fixes that's a, a key word isn't it being being making making sustainable changes and and i completely agree with you in terms of the values-based vision for your school because then that's something it's unarguable then it and i'm sure that that cuts through a lot of the difficulties that schools have. I've been in so many schools doing leadership training. I work with SL, senior leadership teams, and there's such a culture of us and them. And, and I'll give you an example, and I'd love your thoughts on this. I was, I was working in a school just before lockdown, and I was physically in the school, and the, the, the team were so frustrated with the teachers because the teachers had decided, um, and I don't know many of the details about how they came to this conclusion, but that they were not going to work beyond five o'clock and they were going to manage their well-being and and kind of manage their workload and the senior leadership team felt that they had to pick up a lot of the work that the teachers had um, kind of refused to do in many ways and there was this awful kind of push-pull this, this very toxic kind of feeling in that school very much us and them and um, and in an, an opposite example of that I was with a school online recently and the teachers felt that, that the senior leadership team were doing too much for their well-being and they were forcing them to take care of their well-being. And so this strange, I've been in so many schools where there's this strange kind of us and them culture. And yeah. I'd really love your thoughts on that. And I, and I think your answer about the, the values-led vision comes a long way to that. But any other thoughts around how do we break down that divide of us and them? Yeah. Well, first of all, for me, the... Um Leadership boils down to two things. One, establishing expectations with the team. And secondly, establishing relationships. So expectations and relationships. And once we've established there's a relation expectation, the questions I asked on that day one again were what you what are you, what are you expecting from me as the head teacher for this year that we've got together? Because I'll be appointed a new head teacher for the school moving forwards. So what are your expectations of me? What are your expectations of each other? And these are my expectations of us. So the expectations were set really quite clearly. Uh, the relationships in conversations. So before I actually walked into the building on uh, September, the whatever day we came this year when we started, 26 days ago, I'd already met all SLT online like this, one-to-one, -one, another one-to-one -one to find out their role, their hopes, their aspirations, their fears, what they want to be when they grow up. <laughs> you know, there's a specific question I asked them around where they were going and so on. Mm -hmm. So I had understanding and some clarity of roles, clarity of those things that were pointing in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And it's actually in terms of building relationships, that's key. But also understanding not what I think staff want, 
and so we understand each other. On that day one as well, a staff perception questionnaire. I asked the staff the 23 Ofsted style questions. Is this a good school? Do you feel safe? Et cetera, et cetera, those sort of questions. But also some West Horton specific ones here uh, and, and questions in there around their mental health and well-being. One word to describe how you're feeling right now after mm. we did our presentation. How would you describe your workload at the moment? Those sort of questions. Are, and and uh, within that staff perception questionnaire, at the, at the time, people were quite hopeful and shared with me what they thought, but they also shared the concerns around behaviour was an issue around um, consistency was an issue. And I was able to tend to repeat back to people, you tell me as a group overwhelmingly that we're proud to be part of Team West Horton, but you're not happy with the way behaviour is being managed right now. And I tell people back what we say. You, of course, you're going to have outliers and it's important they're mm -hmm. acknowledged, but we, I speak to the colleagues about you've said, so we've done all we're doing. So they understand where I am. And actually for most of those, I've got to be fairly foolish not to listen to what I'm told or go along in, in, in what I've been told but there are some also some non-negotiables around uh, what's acceptable or not acceptable uh, as we move forward in terms of changing and sometimes people can't see the future so I have to say on this one I've listened to what you've got to say but we're going to do it this way anyway or particularly if I've got a 50% saying that and 50% saying that that's Solomon's baby type activity make a decision and choice on on what we do and so I think that the, the tough decisions, that's what I'm paid to do. But I'm also, by listening to what colleagues say, I'm doing, I've done that review on day one. I told the staff that, again, I'm, the first 100 days of headship and leadership is another thing I train other head teachers on. So I've, I live the dream of that as well. I'm now, as I know, on day 26, and that's written on my board and staff know that uh, as we go forward, that we're going to ask the question on day 41. And why day 41? Because we've picked the start of the second week of November after half term, after the clocks have gone back, when it's dark and it's miserable, after bonfire night when kids have got high, that week staff determined was going to be the worst week in the in the school in this term. So we're going to ask people how they're feeling, how they're doing, how is it on that day? I know what I'm hoping they're going to say is behaviour is bad, but it's never been as good at this time of year. You know, because actually behaviour does goes in cycles and where we are. And hopefully, hopefully they'll be saying actually behaviour is on the improvement. We're doing what we're doing. Because let you into a secret: COVID has had some positives in that we've introduced some one-way systems. We've rebooted everything we're doing, and the place is a nice, calm place at the moment. Year seven, eight, and nine really well nailed and a lovely climate for learning. Year eleven. I'd now on to it, but earlier than they normally would be because they've been panicked by what happened previously, really. So we've got them. Year 10 is my bogey year at the moment. And we work, as, as every school will have, we're working really hard and killing them with love and kindness and support. And, and we've upped our counselling offer within those year groups. We've, you know, we've, we've invested heavily in the student mental health and wellbeing and things we do as well uh, around working with those students, but listening to what the staff say. And then again, we'll do the process again. Uh, it just so happens day 100 falls just after Blue Monday, which is the other time that we associate people have dropped the New Year's resolutions and so on and so forth. And we'll ask colleagues again, how's it going at that point? Yeah. Um, so so involving staff in a dialogue, but also for me then to be able to meet individually with colleagues and speak to them or groups of teams um, as we go along. Well, well, if you forgive me, I'll just go off on this little particular piece because a very specific thing around... Uh, the mental health and well-being and feeling connected we didn't use pre pre-lockdown and during lockdown we didn't use teams uh bef before I, I took over 
particularly well in terms of connecting staff. We started to use it with students because it's not been used before. But we now have every Monday, this morning we've done it, our business meeting, which is the, we've got some CATS tests being done and we've got, you know, we're going to have another fire drill later on this week. So I don't tell them when, but we'll be having a drill. That sort of information we tell people as we go forward. Wednesday is our celebratory meeting. It's our mental health and wellbeing star of the week briefing it's where we do people share good practice and things that are occurring so we keep connected and that that's a real positive effect already we staff nominate we do a nomination for our, a shout out for staff where any member of staff can give a shout out for another colleague who's made a positive difference to their um to their mental health and well-being it could be something as simple as bringing them a cup of coffee when they've come in from a, a cold wet break time or it could be something as i had in a previous school where a member of staff whose mum died quite suddenly took nine days out because she was organizing the funeral and everything else and when she came back in the entire department had taken a set of books each marked them sorted them and because they just had supply in so she came back to a completely clean sheet and they got a nomination it can be it's just lovely that we get staff doing these random acts and really quite systematic acts of kindness as well put in place uh, and we introduced this early on in the term and there were 20 30 we now up to i think last week there were 66 nominations for our star of the week and one of our technicians won it this week and she was so proud to have her photograph taken with it just a simple tub of chocolates mm. that that then you know got shared she wanted that shared on twitter as well so she could be seen by people out there so those sort of things help create that uh, the culture but what we've seen is because we're now in a a series of bubbles we, we teach in year group bubbles at the moment uh, that uh, if say for example I have 10 math teachers there's two of those in each bubble so they're not coming together as a team of 10 physically they're in their own bubble with their new colleagues in a new bubble and we're having to work really quite hard at developing relationships within the bubble they're in now um, to be able to support each other so we've introduced again an idea that came from staff a wonderful uh, she's a, um, um, a, a progress leader for year eight one called uh, Cara and she um she'd had this idea of that she'd done last year briefly uh, called buddies a secret buddy scheme where a bit like you do secret santa but do it through the year and done it with a few people this year we've we've really gone for that and we set up our bubble buddies and our bubble buddies are within that group people opt to do little like a like a secret santa but without spending money we're not we put a real limit of about 20 pounds for the full year on it we don't we're not doing that it's around doing those nice things for people and to keep them in your thoughts and to keep your eye out for them and and shout out if you think they're struggling or, or otherwise and alongside that then for the champions it's we've got our first meeting tonight of our bubble buddy bosses and our <laughs> buddy bosses are the group of champions within each bubble who are going to keep things going so they're already talking about plans for when you do like christmas jumper day uh each house getting i'm talking like a house system each bubble now uh will whichever group gets the best staff get the best jumpers and we share that online or whatever else on the day will there be some sort of prize and we're talking about having bubble where you are bubble buddies bacon butty fridays i think is the next thing they've talked about just so we can come together and groups of them yeah. that are well getting them together to listen and speak about what the challenge the challenges that we're having and for people to be open about those challenges now this is when you talked about everybody having to engage and it's a non-negotiable for me i expect people to turn up to their lessons and plan their lessons i expect people to turn for their duty on time i expect people to look after themselves it's the same level of expectation no excuses no exceptions that's where it is and, and in fact on day one the first slide i shared to everybody before i said anything else was a picture of mel our five boys and me a nice cheesy photograph, but with a phrase that above it that said, 
look after yourself first before helping others so we can make the biggest difference for our learners. And it's about making sure you permanently got your oxygen mask at the ready, if not on, and doing that at good times when we're not feeling stressed so you're well drilled. So when we do need it, you recognise the signs, you can step away and do those. We've, we've, I've got a wonderful team that have engaged with what we're doing here and, and it's, uh, I couldn't have wished for a better start here in terms of the engagement that's had with people in terms of what we do because teaching is tough. Working supporting in the classroom is tough. Working in the office supporting is tough and all those things are tough but actually if we're, we're in it together that we're all looking after ourselves and each other then it becomes a much more enjoyable experience and a little less tough. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You've just given a whole lot of gold there, Patrick, because it can feel so lonely, I, you know, across if you're a teacher, especially when you're feeling more isolated, which actually leads nicely to a question from Twitter um, from Katrina, who is at Miss K Cricket. And she said, times are different now. We have a large staff. How do we how to ensure um, that well-being doesn't fall between the cracks, which you've just outlined beautifully? Um but what about staff who are new to the school with social distancing and restrictions? How do we welcome them and make them feel part of the team? I think you've just answered that. Well, yes, but I can answer. You can answer I've just given you the broad brushstrokes, the skeleton, if you like. I talk new staff in particular. Yeah. Induction for anybody is really, really key. And in fact, I'm the new boy. I need induction. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't included originally on the list that came out. And I said, well, what about me? I, I will join. So I join in as, to learn as well as we go forwards and we have the regular induction program that we would do but then we've 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 now done that with bells on in terms of what we do in, in induction and we've put in place now that if anybody joins the school then they get that if anybody in school gets an internal promotion they get a new induction that kicks in then for the following four to six weeks uh, with a mentor because let's just say for example you were the second in maths and you're really good at your job and you're wonderful and a great teacher and inspiring people at that level, you then get the job of head of maths. You don't know what you're doing. You're new head of, you've not done it before. Exactly. Suddenly, your capability is threatened. And in fact, having clear lines is the, the Hayes model of leadership where you're at the intersection of accountability, authority and capability. There's a sweet spot in the middle when they're working well that you're doing well. And actually, your accountability and authority in those roles might be clear, but your capability, because you're not sure what you're doing, is threatened. Well, it's, it's not good enough to go, well, you'll be all right, or we're very busy, let's leave it. We put something in place to make sure that we don't even allow people to dip. And that's not as a big crack the whip so you don't dip. It's so you can just get yourself back to where, and it's okay to ask those stupid questions that you don't know what that acronym means, or you don't yeah. know where that or actually, what is that report I'm supposed to be doing? Or, or saying, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Can, can somebody help me unpick this? And for people to have a coach, but also a mentor in that role is that we take those things up is really important. So I've talked about the staff perception questionnaires. I don't questionnaire people to death. I've got those three I've got, just to be clear on that. But the new staff, uh, last week were given a, uh, a perception questionnaire as new members of staff. You've done day 25. Um, well, actually, we did it on day 20, 21, which was last Monday days. It was our 21st, so we had a 21st kiss. And 20, a 21st kiss is not what you might be thinking. It's socially distanced. I, I, I do want to know. <laughs> okay. So on our 21st, they were asked the questions. And the questions are, we've started you here with what we're doing. Anything in your practice you set off that you're going to keep? Okay. What are we going to improve? Or what could we improve in the support we give you? 
what do you need to stop doing now or what do we need to stop doing now and what are you going to start doing now or what do we need to start doing to make sure that that induction carries on that was our 21st kiss and actually that deadline's just closed i remind people on the briefing this morning and the follow-up conversation as a group they're coming together as a virtual group to talk about those issues with one of my deputies i can't remember the date but one later on this week that i've been a, a get together to be able to talk about those things and actually to be able to unpick collectively and share some celebrations together of what's going well but some share some issues they may collectively be having for people to be open and honest about those things and be able to move forwards and actually when i said open and honest uh patrick lencioni talks about the five dysfunctions or functions of a team and actually the basis of any team is around trust and you get trust the next phase is you've got to have healthy conflict and you've got to be able to share the issues so actually that level of feedback that we may avoid all those difficult conversations we speak about we're openly talking now again we're not asking everyone to just talk openly in a public forum but then an individual follow-up on those questions or on those things as well with mentors to be able to unpick and move forwards and by doing that you get commitment you get buy-in you get that real focus and attention on the outcomes for learners mm-hmm. and and the impact across the whole school then is well literally it's measurable it's palpable because with a healthy culture um you can do anything can't you? I don't believe me. I'm not believing my own hype with all these things yeah, I'm saying yeah, to you. Yeah. Yes. It's really important we understand the issues and where, where those issues are. And the, the feedback uh, is, is if the criticisms we've got to take on board. In fact, in, when I was in North Liverpool, we did a staff perception questionnaire there. And I was the executive head and there was the acting principal, a woman called Emily Vernon, who's now the principal. She's, she's great. She's stunning. Does some really good work. And I, I've talked to her in, in some coaching around feedback is a gift and I kept saying that feedback is a gift and when people give it you listen don't just listen but hear and really hear particularly if it's difficult feedback and and we did that stuff she'd been the deputy in the school and we asked the questions and and it was you know some real positive in there but there was some real hard-hitting things of things that that she needed to address herself as the acting head having been the deputy there and the way she said it in the staff briefing was just lovely and, and and you could see light bulbs go on for people and win some of those people around that may have been critical in that she said patrick keeps saying that feedback's a gift i I must admit at the moment i'm finding a couple of those presents hard to receive (laughs) but i'm going to work on it and i'm going to do this and i want to make sure that my door is open to people and she really opened up and talked about those things and 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 one of the things i'm really big on is reclaiming this word support plan uh, that has become a, a mega issue. So again, on day one, again, tongue in cheek, and the deputies knew I was doing this, but I said to staff that support for colleagues and talent development is really important. In fact, I've got two members of staff already on a support plan, and I'm going to I'm going to name them now. And you could see people do it. <gasps> and I named the two deputies, Claire and Caroline, who get a lot of great feedback and got a lot of great feedback. And I said, support plan, yeah. They're really good deputies. They want to become great deputies and they want to go on towards headship so they've both now got their own uh, high performing head teacher coach to work alongside them independent to me would set that up they're both starting their mpqh they'll have mentoring for me in the role as they go forward this year and their support there so they can go from being good to great mm. and then i did a oh you didn't think i meant because they were underperforming did you type and actually it doesn't matter if they are because part of this the what you'll see is there's no point we, we do work on the things that are good to get them to great but there's no point doing that and ignoring the bits we shouldn't do so my business manager another great leader a woman called Ann Butler 
when we were doing, there'd been no performance management in place for support staff previously. We've now put that in place and they're lapping up and really enjoying that. But when we did the the training um, with the uh, with their staff as we were going through, and I said, when, you, when you're picking your targets, by all means, pick something that you're doing well to do it better. But also, why don't we pick something as part of your game that's maybe not going as well? Because then we can improve and grow on that as well. And, and, and she outed herself at the meeting to say, I should be saying what Patrick's saying, but I have, I've had a real issue with speaking publicly. And from now on, my commitment, part of my target is to do that more often. And already around that, she's done some middle leadership training with our support staff middle leaders, which had not been in place before. She did it. She planned it. I rehearsed it with her. She did it, got her ready. She's gone off and done and straight away addressing that and lifted herself and the lift that's given to other colleagues. And it's about freeing people from those bureaucratic tasks and liberating people to do their role. And, and and a great great enjoyment from doing that. But we've focused massively on the why and the how as we go forward and the what's to make sure we can be functional during COVID. And that's going pretty well. We'd, we'd, we're all making that up at the time. And that's gone particularly well for us. We've carried on reviewing it. But it, again, it, it is the long haul. It's all right, sat here on day 26 saying that. I've got to be saying this on day 100. I've got to be saying this at the end of the year. So actually keeping that level of focus between ourselves as a team and uh, especially at those those tougher times, keeping that going. You, you've mentioned, Patrick, a number of times. You've referred to the, the 100 days, the first 100 days, and, and the, the, the various points throughout that. Um, why is that so important to you? Is that to keep you focused? Is what, What's the importance of the first 100 days? Well, it helps me keep focused. Uh, it helps me. I'm, I'm a big I'm a, I'm a massive fan of teacher five a day. In fact, I base my life around teacher five a day now, to be honest. It's 365 days a year for me, my leadership style, the things I do. When I talked about isolation, being connected is one of the big five within there. Would you tell people what, what are, for people who might not know, what is right. teacher five a day? Yeah. Well, teacher five a day it was, was born out of the NHS big piece of research uh, quite a few years ago now into the five ways to well-being. And Martin, uh, Martin, uh, sorry, Martin, no, sorry, Martin Rea, sorry, he's, he's, the, he's the godfather of it, really, that came up with this and shared it through his, his, his pedigree Hampshire that he ran. Uh, and, and the five ways of really the, the five hashtags you'll see if you see it on Twitter alongside that things are we, sh- we should be connected. And by connecting with other people and keeping connected, uh, it, it supports our own mental health and well-being. Being isolated, the opposite of that, we know can lead to issues. So being connected. Taking regular exercise, again, you don't have to be a super athlete, but getting out and doing those increasing steps or whatever it is you do and doing those things around it. Noticing the world around us and, and taking time to do that. Uh, and every year, whenever I notice the trees, the leaves just turning and the, they're going to fall very shortly, I'll put a tweet out saying, if you've not looked up at the sky for a while, look up and see the, the colours because you're going to miss it. And the number of leaders that have missed those nativity plays or miss those rites of passage with the children because they've been too busy. I can't because of, I'm building them into your life. So there's that aspect of it. Uh, learning new things and always learning keeps our mind active as well. Uh, and, and and a big one for me, which really supports my own well-being, is, is um, that around volunteering and supporting others. So putting those things in place. Last Yesterday, I spent two and a half days on my Sunday 
while uh, Mel was watching whatever she was watching on soaps, catching up, I was pretending to listen, but headphones in. And, and, and I was coaching last night a head teacher, a deputy, an assistant head who were dealing with one dealing with a, a crisis and two dealing with applications for jobs in a real positive situation. But just that support to put in for those uh, and then doing that as part of the, the women ed uh, support for colleagues um, that 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 lifts me so those five ways really of connect learn exercise notice and volunteer yeah. uh, and and build those in I forgot where we were going with that but that's a brief explanation yeah thank you yeah and that that forms that I, I have to give my my own course a little plug here that's the five-step well-being action plan that, yeah. that I've built the my course around as well and they're phenomenally powerful there's so much research behind all of these things that that support our well-being and and that it also creates a language in school as well where you can you can share these things across uh, across your colleagues as well well I there's another question here from Mrs. Noreen Khalid, which is yes. uh, her Twitter is at five Noreen. How could governors help look after the well-being of staff and children and other governor colleagues? So in terms of leadership, what's the governor's role? Yeah, I saw that question on Twitter and I was I was dying to itch and jump in. But Noreen knows what I think anyway. So I shall jump in and, yeah. and say what. Right. As a head teacher, I have a duty of care to my staff. Yeah. The governors have a duty of care to me as the head teacher. That's their job. They must look after me as a head teacher and, and provide support and challenge. That's part of it as well. Uh, but uh, the, so the governor's here. I was loud and proud and shared that slide when I first met them virtually uh, around how we were going to operate uh, and involved in the process. And actually they needed before I could take up the mantle here and do what I'm doing to understand where I, where I came from as a head teacher, what my vision based values were that included this whole approach being underpinned by the mental health and well-being of, of colleagues and then how we deal with that with students. Uh, there's nothing contentious in there. If, if we're looking after people so they can move forward, that's great. It's a shift. So it is a mind shift that we've got to make around how we use data, how we use targets to be able to move forward. And you have to be able to share how that might happen. So credit to my governors where I am at the moment. We needed a fairly rapid set of actions for where we were. We were coming, I was coming in. Um, to it. So the day before we came and started in school at the start of September, I, I requested an extraordinary governor's meeting before we started so I could explain the, how we were starting the school post-COVID, including the way we were going to operate, how we were going to operate around and building it around, building it around these things, and also to have the, a new policy around um, appraisal which allowed us to flip the narrative from being target, numerical target driven to being developmentally driven, underpinned by those standards and targets. So there's pressure on me to make sure I deliver on that, quite rightly so, there's, that's the expectations. But the governor's there to, they employ me and pay me well to lead the ship and to lead the school and to move it forward. And it's for them to understand and challenge and support as we go forward and, and allow that to happen. So for me, they have a great role in. Um, in helping steer me if you like i'm the captain of the ship but they're the, they're the owners of the boat they're the custodians mm. of what we do within here so it's actually i've not, I've not changed our values-based vision we've still got the same words but now now a joint understanding about how we're going to approach that has, has been the shift to really really embed what we were doing already uh, in terms of our, our our philosophy of working so for the governors the, to, to challenge support me to keep moving things forward absolutely um but um and the, the governing body where i am now they've absolutely recognized that 
I know sometimes head teachers find it very difficult uh, to impress the importance of that with governing bodies. Yeah, and, and head teachers I know feel almost um, a, a level of caution. If they're, if they're struggling in any way, they, they often don't, their f- first port of call is not the governors. They feel like they need to somehow shield what's happening from them. Yeah. Well, I'm steering a course of this ship. If you remember, I physically pointed people. That's the direction mm-hmm. we're going. I got them to stand up and point, and I got a compass out. And so, because a little exercise I do is that everybody stands up, and I ask them just to close their eyes and point north. So everyone closes their eyes, and everyone points that direction, that direction. That <laughs> you always get someone points to the ceiling, wherever. And then they open your eyes, but keep your arms where they are, and they're all pointing different directions. I get a compass and say, it's there. Let's all just point there, point with me, not make it parallel, get them to do that. Right, put your hands down. Right, close your eyes, point north, and A press to everyone points north. We're all pointing north. That's the direction we're going. If we agree this is the way we're going to go and we set out what those things are, then we've got to keep ourselves going there. And let's not get distracted from that. Stephen Tierney, a head teacher and a CEO of a trust over in Blackpool, who retired early, earlier, late last year, in fact, from, from headship, who, who does some great leadership stuff now. He used to say around his table, if he doesn't score an eight, an eight to eight to ten towards our direction, he doesn't get it to the table. So it could be a ten out of ten idea, but if he's taking us over there, mm-hmm. it's not for us. He's got to be able to feed into what we're doing and actually channeling all our work that direction, and actually maybe doing less. In fact, the phrase I use quite a lot is "Let's do less, better." Oh, not yeah. less, but let's do less, better. And aim what we do towards here as we go forwards. And actually, the the old Morecambe and Wise uh, phrase of I don't know if you've seen the one with Andrew Previn, but he's playing the uh, Eric Morecambe's playing the I'm playing to the, the the older audience here while I'm talking, playing the piano, and it's all it's all wrong. It's not this Greg's concerto who thinks it should be. And Andrew Previn comes, and you're playing all the wrong notes. And it's playing all the right notes, just not necessarily in the right no, order. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in fact, that's applied to so much of what we're doing here. Is we've done some leadership development work, we've done some teaching work, but actually not as part of a systematic frame. I've got on my wall in front of me here the framework we're using, which is a spine of work that we do where everything is underpinned on there or pinned onto there. It points it forward. It focused on our priorities as a school. So all those courses, all those things, we'll we'll look at how we're addressing the high, you know, the uh, the HAP children boys. Uh, and in fact, those pupil premium boys or whatever group that the school is looking at, and we all jump together in the same direction and we start to have an impact. So mm-hmm. by doing those things and keeping us focused and, and really the governors, once we've painted that picture, bringing it back to the governors and I've painted that simple picture and they know that's there, they hold me to account and make sure that's what's happening. And if I start to go off a bit, they'll say, but you said that's the direction they keep me on that course. Yeah. Uh, and that's, we're doing it to each other at the moment and that's how it should be anyway yeah i think uh but um that that's really where it needs to be but i would say to any head teacher who's struggling to engage the governing body in terms of mental health and well-being or leadership around those things it's it's make sure we understand the why and we're all going in the same direction still and to be honest if the head teacher is not in the same direction as the governing body it's the head teacher that's a temporary custodian that they, they the head teacher that's that 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 should decide not to be there if the governors are really set on where they're going uh if, if there's a different i mean i'm assuming that we we're not talking about a, to- a toxic situation where it's 
there are things that I mean that shouldn't be happening in a governing body because again that can occasionally happen. Mm-hmm. But if the direction is not the direction, um, and there's a difference, that that will lead to conflict. But uh, just pick, pick up on the point you said there about um, sometimes head teachers they don't want to share if there because there are issues. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we should share those issues. We should be able to do those. If we had a, cl- a child in class when they made a mistake hid it away and didn't show and we didn't address it that child would never improve well as colleagues if we're not used to if there's not the trust to be able to have those open conversations if you know if there's a if there's a lack of trust there's a fear of conflict then there isn't accountability there isn't buy-in and we don't have that attention to detail that's the patrick lency only dysfunctions of the team yeah yeah patrick i could <laughs> i could talk with you all day i'm it, there is just so much wisdom uh, you're, you're sharing with our listeners today. Thank you. I, I want to just ask one final question about your comment about being a well-being supermodel. Yes. <laughs> well, could you tell me what what does that mean for you? What do you do? And I okay. welcome. I'll do this quite quickly if I can. Then, if it, as 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 leaders, if if we are saying to the children, you've got to walk on the left, then I'll walk on the left. If we're saying that we you know we're all wearing masks i'll wear a mask we it's about being consistent and insistent and persistent around those things around the things we do but if i'm saying that i want people to take their own mental health and well-being seriously and put themselves first before helping others i need to model that and again you if people see me on twitter you'll see me post pictures of the food i cook each evening you'll see hurricane my tortoise running a garden head butting a football you'll um you'll see my holidays and our the things i do with my family and and i share those things quite publicly tongue-in-cheek as a well-being supermodel and I think leaders should be supermodels of the behaviours they want to see so again even though it sounds very tongue-in-cheek and a little naff it does draw attention to the fact that all leaders should model the behaviours they want to see so I just do what I do that makes me happy it also by doing that and my daily tweet for teacher five a day make sure that I am prioritising me and if I don't have time to have put that tweet out means I've not had time to do something for me or for, that makes me happy around exercise or uh, connecting any, connecting, of those, yeah. any, any of the five. Yeah, yeah. So it's my, my daily reckoning. My, so it's, it's quite selfish in terms of it's just making sure my daily checklist, yes, I've done, yes, I've done, yes, I've done. And I find myself looking forward to those. And the other thing as well is I sometimes find it really hard to squeeze work into my life. Uh, because I've, I'm doing it and actually quite often I speak to leaders and they just, they're really struggling to fit life into work and life works a part of my life so the work life thing's a bit of a misnomer really but I whenever a leader's telling me I haven't got time to or I can't well let's have a look and see what we can do and and and, and I've, I've not found anyone I've spoken to where they've not been able to make some adjustments some changes to improve their balance. I would like to invite you to come back and do a whole podcast about that because it's it's like an epidemic where people are working such long hours and so um, yeah, just their their own well being is suffering as a result of that. So I would really like to get some ideas from you about how I've to pick. Got that. some lovely case studies of people that uh, have, have turned leaders, teachers, support yeah. staff, but leaders of schools as well that have turned around their own personal lives yeah. and the fortunes of their schools just by making those adjustments in their own life. Yeah, critical. Powerful. Patrick, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. So I've been speaking with Patrick Otley O'Connor. You can connect with Patrick on Twitter at Otley O'Connor. And uh, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much, Patrick. 
Thank you very much, Maria. Thanks so much for listening. Now check out our website, pursuitwellbeing.com, and take our free teacher anxiety quiz. I'll include the link in the description below. The quiz only takes a couple of minutes and you'll get a better understanding of where you are today, plus tips to immediately feel better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I love getting your feedback and learning how we can improve our program.